this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. I'm not a crusty crab. What is up, everybody? It is another Thursday. It is time for the Hard Rock, hard rock Lunchbox. I think I'd be able to say that by now. The Hard Rock Lunchbox and the Top 20. If you thought you were only getting one for the price of one, well, who feels foolish now? Yeah, still me. Looks like a quiet start today. If I look awful, it's because I am awful and feel awful. I'm definitely under the weather. I'm sorry. I know I feel like I say that all the time. I don't mean to. Uh, it just sort of happens. Dealing with some medical stuff that kind of sucks all the fun out of living, but, you know, <laughs> nothing major. I'm going to try and make my way through another, another show. Um, so... I was going to talk about some stuff today, um, and I was going to do some housekeeping, but I realized that I left all of my housekeeping information over there. So I guess I'm just going to wing it. Yeah! <laughs> it was so funny. I don't know if anyone remembers, but a couple weeks ago I was doing a thing where I was like pretending to like be asleep and snore on the, on the microphone, and I, and I said something about that being like the, like the most viewed top 20 ever. Well... <laughs> it got it's definitely it's definitely the fastest growing episode so far. I don't think it's the snoring thing, but it would make me laugh if that were the case. So I want to thank everybody for listening and sharing and doing all that other stuff whenever you can. So thank you uh, for that uh, for sharing the top twenty to all your non top twenty and indoctrinated friends. Um, yeah, I do not like I said I do not have my housekeeping. So last week's episode is. Um, is out on YouTube on Strangerhood TV. You can check that out. Please like and share and comment if you want. I'm actually going to read some of the comments that uh, Bill and I were kind of going back and forth with on there because I think they're uh, interesting and pertinent to the general discussion that we do here on the show. Uh, I don't have any idea who the guests were on Bacon is My Podcast, but I do know they did the road trip episode like while they're actually on a road trip back from uh, D.C., which I thought was kind of cool. So check that out. That's Bacon is My Podcast. Dropping uh, more uh, podcasts than absolutely anybody on the station. So Generally speaking, if you just kind of look at the station, there's a good bet. There's a Bacon is My Podcast episode out. Check that out. Um, I am so unprepared. I am, I, I, like I said, like I'm definitely dealing with some medical stuff and it's kind of throwing me because I'm just moving slower. But man, I am having so much trouble dealing with the daylight savings time change. Like I am so over it. Like I'm glad that it's making its way through Congress to try and like get rid of that. It is literally one of the stupidest things that like we collectively do. Like aside from like watch season 95 of American Idol, like, the Daylight Savings Time thing really is stupid. And I understand that it has some rationale, uh, and did have some rationale, but, like, it is so goddamn disruptive to everybody. I mean, like, who here really can just handle an hour change in their sleep cycle, like, overnight, right? Like, it's, remember, it's 
one night. Like, you, you, you have to adjust that. Like, you've heard of something called jet lag, right? Like, they have a name for something that causes that sort of thing. And you change, change time zones. I mean, literally, you're going back and forth from, like, here to, like, I don't know, Indiana. Like, you know, and your body's like, cool, this is, uh, what are we doing? This is earlier or later than it was the day before. It messes me up every year. It makes kids sick for school every year. And I do, and I do understand, like, there's, and it's funny, too, because if you look into the argument, there's, like, a lot of information uh, and a lot of opinions about, like, should we stay at Daylight Standard? Should we go to Daylight Savings? Like, what should be the permanent one? And no matter which one you pick, somebody else has a contra opinion to it, which is fine. I mean, like, they're not... It's none of the arguments like, well, that's the way God intended. Because as soon as you throw that into the mix, like I am out. Like, just don't speak for God. He wants to speak to me, like right here. Like, hey God, it's me, Margaret. Like that's that's kind of like. I really did have so much, so much to talk about. I will say this one thing. Uh, the one one of the things. Well, okay, that's not true. Several of the things I did not do to get to get ready for today's show. One of which I wanted to talk about uh, Tucker Carlson and Ron DeSantis and their doubling down and their willingness to just blow Russia for all the great stuff Russia's apparently doing in the world and how none of it really concerns us. Like, of all the short-sighted things in the world, like, these are the same people that thought that, like, Germany's aggression during World War II wasn't something that, was, that should concern us. Like... Like, they're talking about, like, seriously, DeSantis doubled down and said that Russia and Ukraine are territorial disputes. Russia invaded Ukraine. Like, it's just that simple. Like, it's not a territorial dispute. They didn't have any, like, votes along the, you know, the, the eastern front there about joining. I mean, don't forget, like, Russia just took Crimea. And the world kind of backed off of it. So what did Russia do? They took more. They tried to take more in Ukraine and had enough of it. But these dudes are like, no, it's just territorial skirmish. Like, dude, like, seriously? Like, ugh, it's so annoying. Uh, but I didn't want to really get into so much political stuff. But saying that, I do have one more political thing to say, and I don't have all the details in front of me because I didn't prepare for today's show. Uh, but there is a group out of Texas that is uh, that has filed an injunction in Texas against the FDA uh, about this, the one of the abortion pills and stuff that's available everywhere. Like, the FDA cleared it. It's an abortion available. Um, it's an abortion pill. And in your state, if it's legal in your state, you can get it. Like, first of all, I'm not even getting into the issue of whether or not it should be legal in all the states. Like, that that's a different show. I've had that show. I'll have it again if necessary. This is... If it's legal in your state, like it is in New York, well, then you can get this pill. So what these dudes in in Texas did is they found a Trump-appointed judge. Uh, and not that that has anything to do with this specifically. It just happens to be that was willing to hear this case because they're trying to enjoin the FDA from saying it's okay. But they've already done that. and the, And the group that is doing this is like... So Republican and so conservative and so anti-woman's uh, right to choose that they're literally trying to stop the FDA from clearing it, which would prevent its sale in all 50 states, including the ones it's legal in. Like the fucking balls on these assholes in Texas, not only stepping on women's rights, like like that's first and foremost, but also they're trying to influence other states and what other states can and cannot do. 
This is a sect, a cult in Texas, right? That has decided that abortion is wrong for them, which is fine. Decide abortion is wrong for you, by all means. Do not make that decision for everybody else. It is not your decision to make. It's super simple. But they are actually looking to get it to enjoin, to get this judge to enjoin the FDA so that the FDA will not allow it for sale in the other 50 states. So when people are like, oh, well, that doesn't affect me. This is, you know, in Texas or whatever. Like, just, just know, like, this affects you because these assholes are completely emboldened and feel completely empowered to try and force changes on your life in an entire country away. I've been screaming it from the rooftop for decades. These people are not interested in freedom. They're only interested in whatever they want. They they want to do what they want to do, and they want you to do what they want to do. Like, that is bananas. And for all the bullshit talk about the woke people on the left, who honestly, all the triggered on the left, I've really just had enough of them. But, like, for all of the complaining from the right about the triggered and woke on the left, like, nobody is more triggered and nobody is more woke. And not the real woke, the quoted woke. Than people on the right. Religious conservatives on the right are absolutely the worst people in the world. And certainly no one should, no, none of them, none of them should be taken seriously in terms of what they say. You gotta watch what they do, and this is currently what they're doing. So, big fun, good times, all of Um, yeah, Mr. Walkway. <laughs> Mr. Walk Down Me. Uh, so I wanted to pull up, I wanted to pull up lots but let me pull up this specific thing. We're, we're live on air, and that's, uh, that doesn't, let's see. Uh, okay, Strangerhood TV. This is how easy it is to see stuff on Strangerhood TV. What? StrangerhoodTV.com. Carry the one. Uh, and, What's up, friends? Uh, okay, there's a new, uh. Top 20. Um, I gotta find it. No, excuse me. I almost oh. died on air. I bet you that would get oh, five views, doing? right? Oh, no. Uh oh. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh oh. So bad. Okay. Uh, yes. So, this is what I want to talk about. So, alright. So, I was talking about, I was kind of like, I guess this is the top 20, uh, number 115. So this is from March 2nd. So I'm talking about, and if you, you want to play at home, just go to strangerhoodtv.com. They'll bring you right to the YouTube page. Uh, go to the top 20. It's the top 20, number 115. Um, so I'm talking about like, uh, I'm following up on what Mikey had said on Bacon is my podcast about um, the, the, the kind of the quality control that's that's uh, important or missing from local original music. And um, I've, you know, I've been saying that for a long time. It's part of my discussion, like, why I think bands need a producer. Uh, I don't understand why bands put out, like, such garbage sometimes. Like, if you have ears, you should be able to tell if what you're putting out doesn't sound like something else they're putting out. Now, remember, when I started this this show, one of the, one of the, fundamental tenets of the show is the fact that the bands that I was playing with and was associating with were just as good if not better than a lot of national acts and as such I thought I could just play them side by side which is why you know when when I have a lot of music flowing in here it used to be like 50-50 in fact 
that's probably the average. It was probably more local music than it was national music because I liked it better. But a lot of the local bands now, like, first of all, there's, there's definitely been a... There's been a decrease in quality local music, or at least quality hard rock local music. Let's just say that. There's definitely a lot more urban. And I, I know I sound old saying that, but I don't know what else to call it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's like not not appropriate for the station. There's a lot of um, there's some electronica, there's some dance and stuff like that. Like you know, I'll play that on occasion, but it's not really the bread and butter here. The point is, is that back then, like, every other song was basically a band that was putting out new music that was local, that was really good. And if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't have been able to tell. You wouldn't have known that it was not a national act, right? And that was the point. Now, I get stuff in here all the time. You just play it. The quality alone is so bad that you know it's not a national act. But also, like, the effort put in and, like, you know, how it's performed and stuff. So, like... I've been talking about quality control because of that, because it's an important part of uh, the, the whole thing. Like, you know, when people like original music isn't as good as national band music, if you're talking about it in its entirety, yeah, that's true. There's a lot more local original music than there is national bands, because only the best original bands become national, right? That makes sense. Um, you know, it's kind of like the weeding out of, uh, of, of bad stuff, and that's that's fine. Like I have no problem with that. But um, I think what's happening lately is that without that check of quality control from from anyone, really, it's it's just it's just getting worse. And and, uh, and the only reason I want to read this specifically is because I thought I nailed an analogy pretty good, and I don't do that all the time. So I was pretty goddamn proud of myself, and I figured I'd share that with everyone. Um, by the way, this has only been out for a week, and it's already at 53 views, which doesn't sound like much if you're Joe Rogan or Tom Segura, but, like, you know, for me, it's a pretty big deal. And, yes, this is the one where it looks like I'm falling asleep and snoring. Um, so Bill uh, commented on this, and I'll just paraphrase some of what he's saying. Uh, local music can become national acts, but the way the industry is set up now, it's nearly impossible. So many talented acts that if this were the 1980s, they would be wined and dined by record producers and the agents just to get them to sign. Now they will often ask for recorded material and video submissions prior to even attending a show. No whining and no dining either. Um, yes, I have lots to say about that. Um, there's more. Uh, more. Streaming has changed the way we take in music. If I had it my way, I'd get rid of streaming except for the content that a person owns. At least the artist would make some money that way. Okay, so there's there's that. Um, we'd hear... Okay, so here's the part where I actually step up on what I'm talking about in terms of local music. Uh, and like I said, like I think I made a pretty good analogy, and it involves empanadas. And like honestly, who doesn't like empanadas? So I thought it So basically what I say is this. I do want to be clear, however, in my assessment of the local original music scene, because I truly do not blame the venues uh, and bookers entirely for this. Yes, I think they are lazy and want to take ticket guarantees over doing the work of making a good show, but still the fault does not solely lie with them. There is a big argument to be made that the simple demographics of our native area, here on Long Island, are primarily small-minded people that suffer from the back-in-my-day complex and simply will not, not cannot, but will not, get out of their own way and enjoy something new. Talked about that ad nauseum on the box. 
you see it everywhere you go. People are like, ah, oh, they haven't made good music since the seventies, eighties, nineties, whatever. Like, they don't make good music today. Blah, blah blah. That's all. That's all complete horseshit. We all make all the good bands are making all the good music, and I can prove it because we have sales, we have streams, and all that other stuff. What what people are not doing is giving things a chance, and the reason they are giving and giving things a chance is because nine times out of ten, the music that they're giving a chance to is garbage, and so they cannot be fully. Slammed in their opinion of it, and that's kind of where the the empanada comes in. But I go on to say, but but I believe the biggest offender here are the bands themselves. In my entire career, I have never heard such a large percentage of untalented individuals getting together to release quote music. And I'm not talking about different styles I may or may not care for. I'm talking about the sheer disregard for things like production quality, songwriting, and anything resembling proficiency of the instrument they are playing. If you cannot sing in tune or play in a beat together or string words together to tell a story, you should not be releasing music. And if you can't do those things and also cannot perform while live in a live setting because you don't rehearse or just otherwise suck, then I think it's time you spare us all from your vanity project, which is all it is at that point. They are ruining it for every single hardworking original musician, and it's time they stop. Now that we're getting to the empanadas, please be patient. That's an important point, right? If you really don't have the your own quality, and these are things that are not necessarily subjective. That's why I make the point between like different genres. Like, yeah, I don't like a lot of country music. I can recognize a good country song, and will often argue that a country song is a good song, but. I don't like it, so I don't listen to it. But it doesn't mean the dude's singing out of tune. It doesn't mean the band isn't tight, and it doesn't mean there isn't really good production quality on there. And a lot of these people who I don't like put on apparently amazing shows. Like, for example, like I am. This is this might be controversial. I am not a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. I like him well enough. I don't know that I've ever gone out of my way to hear a Bruce Springsteen song. I may or may not have turned one off, you know, like if it kind of comes on the radio, if that's such a thing. But like, I don't play it here. But I hear they are absolutely legendary live shows, like just legendary. Like people go like the dead; they'll see like three nights in a row because they're that good. Like at some point, if you do, even if you don't like the band or the musician, you gotta take note. Be like, what the? Like he must be like doing something amazing for that to be a thing, and like. That's cool too, but what I'm saying is that, you know, if you're if you have if you're lacking in a quality product, and you also do not put on a very good live show. Now I know lots of bands that、um, like they don't rehearse a lot. It shows. Some of the members are just the members you can get. Like I get that too. Like I really do. Like a lot of bands are trying to do stuff. Like when I was kind of just sidelined without a band, like. That was that was a tough thing, and I definitely could see the appeal of like I just want to play live, so I'm going to bring in Billy, you know, to like play drums or whatever, even though he doesn't know the song. I mean, the closest I ever came to that sort of thing was one night at Beery's, and we had、um, Noodle was sick, I think, with the flu, and Chris Waterbury like volunteered like day of, like I'll play that, for, I'll play the show for you, but like. Waterbury is a uniquely, exceptionally gifted musician and like band member. Anyway, like his level of dedication is pretty intense and something to be kind of admired and looked upon as 
as a, almost like a role model for 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 some for other for w- what other people can contribute and should feel about contributing to their band. And that dude sat and just learned the songs, and I don't even know that I went to rehearse with him. I I think he just learned it like on his own, and we went live. Like, dude, he was playing that better than most drummers I see in their own bands. Like, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Like that. Like, if everybody could do that, then we'd all be fine. But that's also, like, a level of, like, studio musician and preparedness and, you know, understand. Like, my point is, is that if you have a band that's, like, barely a band and you're bringing that out live, like, how do you think that's going to go over? I mean, all conceit aside, like, one of the things that that people remember about Rebel 9 is how tight our, our live show is. And that's because I've been playing with the same musicians for years. Like, the value of the the relationships like as much as we fuck with each other like we all play well together and there have been problems along the way that we and a a lot of me have like sought to address because you know like we had we definitely had a drinking issue early on and i just told the band i was like you're never better drunk like you just aren't and once they kind of realized like oh yeah we can we kind of suck when we play like this way that problem went away like so we address these things as they come up so that our live show is really very good in fact the one thing that's been vexing me lately is that my current weight and like state of like perpetually bad health like i am not nearly as active and energetic as i was say three years ago like pre-covid and not that it's the end-all be-all the show but i am highly aware that it makes makes a difference but but alas time for the empanada story or analogy or whatever doesn't really matter so yes so i'm blaming bands that have uh, really bad quality of song quality of material and then go up and perform it badly because their bands aren't very good right so that's that's the stage for this empanada analogy and if you don't believe me picture the empanada analogy I wonder how, like, are we doing a drinking game? Like, every time he says empanada, like, you got to take a drink. Like, ding. It's also not a horrible idea. Let's say you've heard empanadas are good. They are. You've heard it, you've heard it here. <laughs> Let's say you've heard empanadas are good, but you've never had one. You go to a diner and you have an awful one, I would imagine. Then you go to a gas station and have an even worse one. Finally, you microwave one from 7-Eleven and you throw it. You've now had three really shit empanadas and are, are likely to never have a fourth. That makes sense, right? I'm already on board with this analogy, right? If I've had, if I've had three horrible empanada experiences, my brain is going to register empanada, bad time, equals vomit, move on. Let's get a Hot Pocket. Nothing wrong with Hot Pockets, right? Just if you're American, right? So empanadas, if you're American, Hot Pocket. How's that? <laughs> for, for, <laughs> but if only really good empanadas are available, you'd never have had those three shit ones. But your opinion is now that empanadas are awful, and that's what's happening here. Really shitty original bands are flooding the local scenes, not just ours, local scenes, because they can bring 20 of their friends that have nothing better to do than go out and see some shit music, Because because it's not about the music for them. It's about going out and drinking and smoking with their friends. Which is fine. If you're like between 20 and 29 and you need to kill some time, going out's a perfectly good way to do that. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Even older, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, but 
those people that are doing that, that are going out and seeing their shitty friends play music, they think that's what original local music is. They think that they think that that is what local original music sounds like. And they are never going to even get to my really fucking good empanada. And that is my empanada analogy. My empanada empanology. Heard it here first on the bottom. <laughs> I think there's some merit to it, not just because I said it, but if you think about it, if you think about all the local bands you've seen, and I have seen thousands, how many good ones have you seen over that time? Like, statistically. And then think, how many really, like, really good ones have you seen lately? It's not as high a number as you want to believe. Listen. Certainly not a tidal wave of them. <laughs> Hard Rock Lunch Box. If you haven't stopped by the chat here at 99WNR.com, you are missing out. It is easily half to three quarters of the good of this show. Way funnier than I am, so I would definitely check that out. Now, as for the music, I have no idea why this one popped in my head, but that's where it went, so now out it goes. Hard Rock Lunch Box. So I have a couple of seemingly and probably unrelated things just to talk about real quick because they're funny to me. And I would space them out, but honestly, I've been forgetting for a little while, so I feel like now's the time to do it. The first thing I want to talk about is the word and the term woke. W-O-K-E. Okay? It gets thrown around a lot. And it gets thrown around on the left by people that are, you know, uh, I guess it's used to describe people that are, you know, like have their eyes open to see like what's really happening. Like they took the one pill on the Matrix and then it's being used on the on the right to describe people like as obnoxious and annoying, kind of like the way they portrayed like the hippies uh, in the in the anti-war movement in the late 60s. Right. These were just for some clarification in the in the late 60s. There were a lot of teenage people like teenagers to 25, like 18 to 25 that were being drafted against their will to go and fight in Vietnam. And they didn't like didn't like that idea. And so they opposed it and they had rallies and all that other stuff. People were against them thinking they were lazy uh, you know, just shifty people and all that other stuff because they didn't want to fight for a war they didn't believe in. This was not like 9-11 where, like, so many people signed up right after to defend our country. This was a war in a country that most people had not even heard of, and it was a really iffy, questionable war and had been brewing, uh, like, under the radar because of, you know, thanks to, like, the CIA and black ops kind of stuff for decades, right? So, anyway, so it's similar to that. The right uses it similar to that. So you'll hear people talk about, like, woke culture. It is never addressed as a good thing anymore, right? Like, you never hear it addressed as a good thing. It's always it's always an insult. Okay, there's there's your there's your beginning. There's your basis. But what you, what you may or may not know is that Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, Trump is calling Meatball, and I think is just the funniest thing. Not that it's a good nickname, but it's just, like, it's so lame. Like, it is... 
but they're like two of the lamest people I know. And I love people that like totally support DeSantis, like telling me what a great person he is. Like I had somebody that told me he was a Navy SEAL. Like, yo, dude, he was a lawyer for the Navy SEALs. Like, let's not get those two mixed up, all right? Ron DeSantis is a pandering asshat. Like, yes, I think he'd be better than Trump because I think he has an agenda that at least we can keep an eye on. Whereas every morning you had to kind of wake up with Trump and be like, oh, my God, what do you do now? <laughs> so, but anyway, he got he got sued because he, he dismissed or suspended or fired a prosecutor in Florida that was not going to prosecute um Abortion crimes. He said he was gonna. He was declining to prosecute abortion crimes. He didn't think they were wrong. He didn't think you know it was worth his time. He thought that they had way more serious things to deal with. Don't forget, for as great as people think Florida is, Florida has a higher crime rate than New York. Got that? I'll say, Florida has a higher crime rate than New York. Yeah, right. Good job, Florida. Number three. Number three. Or whatever it is. I don't even know. Uh, so he got suspended, and they and DeSantis basically his defense is like he's not going to he's not going to have somebody that like subscribes to like this woke culture. Now, all of that basis and context is for this one simple fact: because the judges hearing the case wanted to know what woke meant, because they're older and they wanted to know what exactly are we talking about? Because it sounds like you're making up some word that a 17-year-old inner-city mixed-race kid kind of came up with, which is probably true. So the judges wanted to know what it was, so they pressed this lawyer, and they asked him specifically what woke means. And in an actual, legal, state-wide uh, trial setting, his lawyer said this. Ryan Newman, DeSantis's general counsel, Echoed Fensky's response about systemic injustices, specifically regarding the criminal justice system. Asked what woke means more generally, Newman said, quote, now pay attention, quote, it would be the belief there are systemic injustices in American society and the need to address them. He goes on to say, uh, DeSantis doesn't believe there are systemic injustices in the U.S. There's two big ones in there, right? DeSantis, white dude from Ohio and Pennsylvania or wherever his parents are from, and Florida, uh, one of the whitest places on earth, doesn't believe there are systemic injustices. He just took away a woman's right to choose in Florida. They de-voter de registered, they, they purged the voter rolls of felons. Um, even though after you serve your time, you should kind of get that back, but not in Florida. And unfairly uh, deregistered thousands of black people, African Americans and people of color, before uh, the, the last election. But uh, DeSantis doesn't believe there are systemic injustices in the U.S. Now remember, woke, woke means, by DeSantis's own attorney, woke, uh, it would be the belief there are systemic injustices in American society and the need to address them. Does anybody within the sound of my voice believe that there may be systemic injustices in this country? And if so, do you think they should be addressed? 
two distinct questions you should think about. I've talked too long, so I'm going to talk about the nickname thing after the break. If I forget, hit me up in the chat or don't. New music from Sundress right here on The Box. Hard Rock Lunch Box. And this is the point of the show where we play like the really, really heavy stuff. So if you're like me, pay attention. If you're not like me, pay attention, but also maybe go to the bathroom. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Man, I feel better. I also feel like breaking some stuff. <laughs> that dope song is definitely growing on me. I like it more every time I play it. It's perfect. <laughs> well, in a true counter to the music you just heard, I've got something here from uh, a little lady you might know. Uh, she goes by the name Sarah Bareilles. Uh, she's got a song called Gravity. I'm going to play the more produced version, but if you have some time in your own little life, I would go back a little bit further and play the unproduced one because it is, or earlier produced one, because it's just simply stunning. But I figured I'd give you a little taste because that's what we do here on The Box, because unlike certain motels or hotels, we do not have warm cookies here. Or do we? We might. I'm not saying no. Happy time, everyone. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Yeah, I don't know when the last time any of us heard that song was, and I don't know when the next time any of us heard that song was. So, just let it fade out. Alright, so the nickname thing I wanted to talk about before. I had a very interesting conversation with my middle, my middle child. Uh, I don't know, probably coming up on a week and change ago. We were just talking about... Um, uh, we're, not the difficulties, that's the wrong word. But we were talking about sort of, I guess, the complications and the complex nature of the sociology of uh, trans identities, uh, dead names, that kind of stuff. And just like how there's there's so many different reactions depending on who you're talking to. And also how many reactions people are just saying exist that don't actually exist. And, and Corey, like... Both, both my boys are steeped in cultures that are, um, I want to say welcoming, but that seems like less than what I want to say, embracing uh, of, of like the trans communities. Uh, my oldest is heavily involved in Ultimate Frisbee, and that you know they've been really on the front line of dealing with that kind of stuff socially for, for years now, but, but uh, Bubbles is like... In the gaming community, which I which I would not have known if he hadn't told me, there is a very large trans population in there, um, and I I'd be willing to say that it's more of an open discussion because it's a more acceptable open discussion. Like I don't I don't know that that's true, but just what I know about society and sociology, like it sounds like you're probably not going to talk about it so much at, in the lunchroom at like I don't know. Hobby Lobby, but you could definitely talk about it at a gaming uh, conference because it's just more accepted and people are more comfortable. But we were talking about dead names, and I was saying that people that I've heard that people get really like really mad when you address people by their dead names. You don't know the dead names are the names that people leave behind when they transition to whatever their new identity is. And I've heard from no trans people, by the way, that is incredibly offensive to be referred to as by your dead name. I had one incident that was kind of like a third hearsay thing, but like 
that was with a child and it was a little bit different because uh, honestly getting any sort of angry response from a teenager is kind of part of the course doesn't matter what you've done um, but uh, Bubbles <laughs> saying that actually in the trans community it's like not nearly the high, you know the bad thing to do that people make it out to be like racial slurs are racial slurs they still are at the top of that list of things you shouldn't do and things that people get mad at. And that makes sense. But, uh, you know, not so much dead names. Still, you should make an effort, and apparently the effort is really what sort of matters. And if you call somebody by their dead name and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I meant whatever, like, that's the acceptable decorum. Now, again, none of this is, is first-hand knowledge, but it was funny because I realized as he was talking, I don't call any of my three kids by their given name. I mean, I will sometimes, but like in general conversation, they all have nicknames. And I told uh, Bubbles, Corey, uh, I was like, that's so great because I don't ever have to worry if you guys transition like back and forth like all the time because I don't give a shit what your real name is. I just call you by your nickname. And as we all know, you don't get to pick your nickname. So I am so in the clear. And I was like, yeah, DJ wins one. DJ wins one for nobody, for nobody but me. And that moment has been brought to you by absolutely nobody, because Wawa doesn't sponsor this show either. But I got right. Unbox. Hard. Rock. Lunch. Box. The year is 1989, and music is not going well. Every single band, every band and the next band is basically Skid Row. Uh, Skid Row is probably one of the better of them. But at this point in time, there were a ton of bands kind of under the radar, right where they belong. And so many of them had, like, one really good song and then a bunch of shit. But at least, unlike a lot of today's music, at least they had one good song. One such band is a band called Babylon AD out of California. Now... The only reason I bring them up is because they were actually on my release radar. I can tell you, I have not listened to Babylon AD in at least 500 years, it feels like. That's an approximation. Rounding up to the nearest 500 years, of course. But they released a live song. I couldn't even tell you what the name of the song was, but it would not have been my choice for a live song. But yet, that somehow came out this week. And it was up on my release radar. So I did what any responsible show production manager, promo director would do. And I went right to their Spotify page, picked up the one good song they had. And now I'm going to drag you back in this week's Hard Rock Lunchbox Time Machine. Bang, go the bells. And it's about as good as that title is. Hard Rock Lunchbox. Yeah, man, brand new music from Jax. Yes, the Victoria's Secret chick. Uh, if you like chick-fronted bands, boy, are you in luck. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Not that this is anybody in particular's fault, because it's not. I'm the host of the show. This is my lunch box. It's my responsibility entirely. But motherfucker, guys, do you realize that tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day? I didn't until just now. Hard Rock Lunch Box. So far, I've got three bands confirmed for uh, Mr. Beery's on June 16th. That's Friday, June 16th. So far, the lineup is us. That's Rebel 9. Craving Strange and Something Heavy. I've already got an invite out to the fourth band. 
I will let you know as soon as they confirm or the other bands that I have on that very short list to play that show with us are confirmed. My new approach for this year, although I still want to bring in new blood that might be interested in seeing us and seeing the bands on there, is just not the most paramount thing. I'm trying to put on really good shows and try and put my money where my mouth is. I'm hoping that if we put on quality, quality material, that people will have a new vested interest in what local good, what good local music looks, acts, acts and sounds like, and we can maybe just focus on that as a template for other bands to do the same. I know, I'm preaching to the choir here, and it's not going to make a difference, because no one honestly gives a shit what I say. Otherwise, bands would stop playing uh, at Amityville Music Hall, bands would stop playing with lesser bands simply because they can draw, and bands would just behave better. But they're not going to do that, so I'm going to surround myself with bands that kind of get it, and do the job, and like the show, and are going to just do really, really good stuff for, for us as a band, us as a community, and you as the fans. So... June 16th, Friday, June 16th, Mr. Beery's, at the very least, I can promise you, Rebel 9, Craving Strange, it's something heavy, and all by it, all by themselves, that's going to be a great show, because this kind of went down last time we did it. It's your weekly craving of the week. Here's a song we haven't played in a very, very, very long time that we're playing because he asked. So here we go.
for me to get on out of here. It's time for my medication, both pain and antiviral, because why not? Because it's just awesome being me lately. So I'm going to handle that. By the way, I totally forgot to mention, uh, in important Revel 9 news, we have officially finished recording the next release of new material. So uh, our producer Dave is on board mixing it as we speak. Probably not really. Like, you're probably just waking up about now. But, uh, you know, theoretically, metaphorically mixing it as we speak. But, yeah, we did the, uh, we recorded the very last notes of this batch of music on Tuesday. So, congratulations, guys. And I mean my guys, but also, but also, but also me. So, I'm going to go handle all this nonsense. Probably time to pee, too. I need some coffee, all this other stuff. Definitely something to eat. But I want to thank you for joining us again one more Thursday on the Hard Rock Lunchbox. It is always appreciated. Way more fun when you guys join in. So, thank you for that. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Have a great and safe St. Paddy's Day. Uh, we could play more Irish music if we need to, if we absolutely must next week. But in the meantime, I'm going to give you something absolutely ridiculous to, to, uh, to dance yourself out with. Feel free to turn it off. You have no allegiance to the rest of the show. You are hereby cleared and freed for takeoff. But in case you wanted something ridiculous to end your Thursday afternoon experience, don't worry. I got you. I'll see you next week on The Box. Hard Rock Lunch Box.